The PCI Security Standards Council is working to put together what it calls the Software Security Framework, a new set of standards supporting validation programs and certification listings for the secure design and development of modern payment software. The Council announced plans for the new framework at its PCI Europe community meeting, which took place October 24th through October 26th in Barcelona. Today, I'm joined by Troy Leach, Chief Technology Officer of the Council, to discuss this new framework, as well as other payment security standards the Council is focusing on to ensure that payments of all types on all types of devices are secure. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Troy, first, let me say hello and welcome. It's been a while since you and I have spoken. And I also want to thank you for joining me for this interview while you're on the road in Barcelona. I want to get into some of the nitty gritty details about the framework. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit more high level. Why does the council deem this framework to be necessary now? Well, hello, Tracy. It's good to speak with you again. I think we have really witnessed in our industry a renaissance in payments where we've had the opportunity to accept payments in many different ways. And with that comes a reliance on software. We now have software that's being pushed to market in a matter of days, sometimes minutes, where in the past we had the ability to do much more thorough what we call static reviews of of that information. We also have a growing need uh, both for business but then also for uh, regulators and others to demonstrate transparency in all of our financial data. Uh, and we see that as well as, as why we want to make sure that retailers are empowered to know that their software is actually being validated, tested, and regularly monitored for new threats. And then also we recognize with all these changes in payment applications that there are many new developers that are either coding in different platforms that may not have been available a few years ago, or they themselves are new developers and just not aware of of payment card uh, security and the need to protect customers' information. Troy, there are two standards for the software development community that are being developed as part of this framework, a software security standard for payment software and a standard of software lifecycle requirements for payment software vendors. Can you expand a bit on these two standards? Sure. There's a a relationship between the two. It's why uh, we call this a framework for how you can go about demonstrating good security practices if you're an application developer. And then secondly, if you are a vendor selling your software to third parties. So first of all, I'll talk about the the core standard, which is uh, a new approach to evaluating software. We recognize with all the agile programming the pace of change to market, the ability to incorporate new security directly into the code, as well as the reliance on third-party software. Uh, we see that more than 80% of software now uses some form of open source or other third-party code as part of the build. And because of these reasons, we want to have a way to incorporate good security practices and just importantly, good security testing of those applications, both in production, but also before they get to production. So even the core standard has elements of how do you secure an application throughout the life cycle from uh, the first time it's released to the last time uh, that you update it. 
The second standard is really for vendors that want to be able to demonstrate uh, that they have practices in place that should minimize ongoing threat monitoring, ongoing challenges that they might face if they're not regularly testing and monitoring for new threats of that software. That is going to be a standard dedicated only to the software lifecycle practices that they can demonstrate to the PCI Council, to assessors that would go evaluate them, and most importantly, to their customers, the end users of those software products that they would then turn and install in their retail outlets, their e-commerce websites, and anywhere else that software might be used to accept payments. Roy, is this the first time that the PCI Council has come up with a framework or standards that focus specifically on software development, or have there been recommendations or standards in the past? Software development and the practices of ongoing management for software is something that has always been a critical security control. So you see elements of that throughout our standards. The data security standard um, has an entire requirement, requirement six, uh, that has a lot of dedicated controls to how do you build and maintain good security practices in your software. Uh, We also have the payment application data security standard, which is third-party software that might be used for a merchant or service provider to demonstrate that they have good DSS practices. One of the challenges we have with some of our existing uh, uses of software is it's really limited in scope. And what we want to do is provide opportunities to uh, consider other types of form factors, other ways that payments are accepted and software might be used as a component to help secure that transaction. So while we have the payment application data security standard, and it's an excellent standard, and many of those practices you'll see um, in this next version of the standard, we'll probably incorporate elements of and grandfather in PADSS listings and have a practice that is not only for the traditional point of sale, uh, which is when PADSS was originally designed uh, over a decade ago, Uh, But you'll also see new practices that can cover a breadth of new technology, uh, different ways that we now see smart technology and other forms of uh, payment acceptance starting to be used uh, more commonly throughout the world. And that way we can have both software practices that are nimble, uh, they're more relevant and to uh, what are the security concerns of 2017 and beyond, and then also can be uh, applied in different ways that in the past we could not do with other standards. Trey, I want to talk a little bit about some of the agile software programming um, that are key areas of payment security that you noted recently at the PCI Council uh, meeting. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the framework itself and compliance. Will compliance with the framework be mandatory? And if so, how will it impact, if at all, the PADSS? Well, the PCI Council, we are a standards body, so the compliance with any of our standards um, is not within our purview. But what our role is, is to develop security standards that we think are going to be relevant and can be applied to a broad group of technology. And we think here uh, with this particular program, it has the potential to 
take existing standards that might be part of compliance program. Um, CADSS being one example, point-to-point encryption uh, applications being possibly another, where we are evaluating currently, does it make sense for these type of software security practices to be considered and tested and then eventually listed um, in the same manner that we've done in, in the past? Now, I think I, I can say that that I'm very excited and confident that what we do apply today is going to be able to itself evolve much more quickly and freely than previous standards. So there is a lot of flexibility uh, to be able to create a security position um, and a security evaluation going forward that can address when an emerging technology, an emerging uh, software programming language, or other types of changes happen in the payment ecosystem, this new security framework will provide us a way to act more nimbly than we've ever been before. Okay, Troy, so let's go back to talk a little bit about that nimbleness or agility. You noted in your presentation at the recent PCI Council meeting in Europe that interconnectivity, authentication, encryption attacks, and agile software programming are key areas of payment security. So let's talk a little bit about that. You've, you've touched on it, but maybe we can expand. And one of the areas that I found interesting was, you know, that interconnectivity kind of goes without saying. Um, but what about the authentication piece and perhaps the encryption piece? Um, how do these kind of fall in, in line with the need for more agile software programming? Well, we've noticed that at, at the end of the day, all of our security is trying to create confidentiality to protect some data information. One thing that uh, we recognize at the PCI Council and have been promoting for several years is creating dynamic credentials, whether that's dynamic, dynamic information so that there is a change of the actual data so that if a criminal were to steal it, it can't be repurposed for fraud. On the other side of that is dynamic authentication and finding ways that we can empower consumers, uh, empower cardholders to actually validate themselves with their merchants much differently than we have in the past and preventing other types of static counterfeit attacks that we've seen. One way that we're doing this is through two other new standards, uh, the 3DS or three domain security in partnership with AMVCO, uh, they created a specification to help improve authentication of online transactions and mobile transactions. And we are really excited about what they introduced at the end of last year. And as a result of our, our relationship with them, we developed two security standards to help protect both the three domains uh, on the environments where this type of authentication uh, takes place, as well as a software development kit, the uh, type of application that would be created on behalf of a merchant in order to create some type of mobile transaction. And those two standards are going to show some of the directional change that the PCI Council has done, where we've looked at not just confidentiality or protecting an account number going forward, uh, but we're looking at how do we protect the security, the integrity of authentication and new ways that we can uh, know that even if the information like an account number is compromised and exposed somewhere in some merchant location or service provider location that 
another merchant won't be the victim of any type of counterfeit fraud because we're using new forms of dynamic authentication. Now, the other thing you mentioned, Tracy, was associated with encryption. And uh, we, we have some good and, and some bad uh, happening right now in the world of cryptography. Uh, first, the good is that we are seeing the vast majority of retailers in their card present environment starting to show that they have some form of point-to-point encryption um, installed in the terminals and other ways that they accept payments. That means that when a cardholder presents their card, um, that information is immediately encrypted on the point that it is, is read and it remains protected and confidential throughout the transaction or at least throughout the environment uh, of the retail environment for one example. And uh, what we also see is that more and more uh, account information is being protected while it's at rest. Now we are seeing that there are breaches and there's been some large ones recently where organizations have had to come forward and, and explain that they were the victim themselves of an account data compromise, but the account information lost was not that of, of personal information and um, the, the primary account number of their credit or debit card, but actually it was other information and that PAN number was actually encrypted and they have high confidence in, in that it remains confidential. That's the good. The bad we have, first we're seeing new attacks. We see ransomware growing at a rate of 30% year over year of more attacks using that where point of sale systems are being taken over and retailers, for one example, um, cannot process transactions unless they pay a ransom. Uh, I'm really concerned as we start to enter here the holiday season uh, that this is going to be a targeted attack for many large retailers uh, by organized criminals. Another area where we look at encryption is around legacy and ways that we can try to be um, using legacy encryption when we need to be migrating to newer forms. I think Tracy and I in the years past have talked about the 20-year-old technology for SSL, which is the protocol used in web browsers to secure that type of communication. And while there is newer uh, versions of that protocol that are available, we still see a large portion of organizations using the 20-year-old version of that technology. We need to be, again, talking about more nimble software, we need to be more nimble with upgrading our uh, cryptography as well. We see just last week, as a matter of fact, the uh, new types of crack attacks, that is the key reinstallation attacks, where against all types of Wi-Fi, we see that the WPA2 type of encryption um, possibly is now uh, susceptible in all forms. Those are the types of things as a payment industry we need to be aware of and start to address. Uh, we can do address that through uh, dynamic authentication, dynamic data, and also starting to encrypt at layers like at an account layer, application layer, rather than just relying on older legacy network security. Trey, let's talk a little bit about ransomware because you mentioned that, and I think that's um, a very valid concern to bring up, of course, as we are um, uh, quickly approaching the, the holiday season. In fact, I guess arguably we could say we're 
were upon it once we hit Halloween. Ransomware is specifically noted by the council as a growing concern, as, as you've just noted, and one that the security, this new secure framework can help to address. What specific recommendations is the council making and why is ransomware specifically called out? Well, we see that ransomware is a new opportunity for criminals. As we start to devalue the data through EMV, through tokenization, um, and the other mechanisms that we described earlier, criminals are looking to other ways that they can try to monetize against financial services. And one way they do that is through asking and, and trying to get a ransom by taking over and encrypting someone's network or point of sale system. You know, ransomware for us still requires some basic controls to either be lacking, whether that's not patching regularly, not changing the default passwords or having weak passwords. There has to be some type of remote access for ransomware to get into the system. And so we're still promoting some basic controls like that to prevent ransomware. But in the point of sale industry, uh, what we've done is that terminals that are newer, uh, version three, according to the PCI POI standard, or newer than that, they have the opportunity to remove this malware at least every 24 hours. So it's a requirement that um, if there is this type of attack, and we also see fileless attacks where uh, malware doesn't need to be installed separately, but it's it's somehow slipping by all of the uh, preventive controls because it's attaching itself to applications. We find that we can uh, fix this by having good remote access practices, by having good administrative controls, multi-factor authentication, password changes, and then also in the point of sale terminal directly, finding ways that we can refresh the memory so that if this malware gets past all those other controls and remains in memory, that at worst, it will stay in there for 22, 23 hours before it's restarted and it's removed from the point of sale system. Troy, going back to, to talk specifically about the framework and I'd love to go into more detail about remote access because we've been talking about that for a while, but I think that's probably um, a topic for another podcast. When do you expect the completed framework to be released? Well, the first release uh, will be a draft to our participating organization membership, which is nearly 1,000 organizations now. And that will be in a request for comment to them in uh, the month of November. Now, based on their feedback and that of our industry software task force, uh, we are looking to release that about mid-year 2018, uh, depending on the type of recommendations that we receive and whether or not we need to go back uh, for another request for comment. This also, I will add, uh, requires new validation programs. And what we're going to try to do is complete all of those types of specifications and requirements for the evaluators so that when this framework is released, it's released holistically and has all elements of the uh, software security framework. Well, Troy, as always, I'd like to thank you for your time. This has been very informative and the council has been very busy over the last year. So I suspect we'll have a lot more to talk about um, in the coming months. Thank you, Tracy. Yes, uh, happy to have a, a chance to speak with you anytime. It has been an incredibly successful year for the PCI Council, as was seen this week at our European Community Meeting and, and the response we received, and look forward to talking to you again. 
again, we've heard from Troy Leach of the PCI Security Standards Council for Information Security Media Group. I'm Tracy Kitten.